Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Praise the Lord. If you'll take your scriptures and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 9 through 11 in just a moment. We're continuing our Heart for the House vision series this year titled 2024, A Year of More. uh, Two weeks ago when we started this series, we looked at the the topic of expect more because God can do more. Amen? Because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. If you missed that message, I encourage you to go back online on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, I believe that message will just really uplift your spirit and challenge your faith to grow. Amen? But uh, today our topic is love more, love more. I'm reminded of the story of a little boy who lived in Chicago many years ago, and when his parents moved to another part of the city, the little fella was determined to continue attending the same Sunday school he had attended in his old neighborhood, even though it was a long and tiresome walk each way. A friend asked him, uh, why do you want to go so far? And told him there are plenty of churches between here and there. And the little boy said, uh, and the the friend said, they're as good as the one you're going to. And he said, they may be as good for others, but not for me. And his friend said, why not? And he said, because they really know how to love a feller over there. And he was so uh, um, touched by the love and the embrace that he felt in that church that he was willing to walk that extra distance uh, just for that. This is what a broken and hurting world needs today. There was an old song, what was it? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Amen? Now that was a a secular song, right? But it's expressing the cry of the world's heart. What the world needs now is love. And the only true love is God's love. And it should be found in the midst of God's people. Amen? Amen? The place that people need to see and experience God's love is in the church, among the people of God, in whom the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's why at the Last Supper in John chapter 13 through 17, Jesus repeatedly said, this is my commandment, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, because you have love one for another. And in his high priestly prayer in John 17, the last prayer that he would pray for his disciples, including us while he was here on earth, he prayed that they would love one another and that it was through their love and unity that the world would believe that the Father had sent him. The way that we love one another can affect whether another person believes in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? As we love one another, as the world sees and experiences true love in action among Christians, they will believe on Christ. Folks, the world longs to be loved, but they are looking for love in all the wrong places, to refer to another song. They can't find love because they can't find true love outside of God and his love that is poured out among his people. This is why in uh, Paul's prayer in Philippians, he prays for the church 
that our love would abound more and more. Read with me, if you will, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. I pray that your love will overflow, or some versions say abound more and more. So he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand that what what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. You know, Paul wrote this letter when he was imprisoned in in Rome, facing a death sentence, and the church of Philippi had sent to him on several occasions help. They sent a person to help him, and they sent finances to help him to meet his needs. Because in those days, folks, prison wasn't like it is today. You know, uh, today they supply you a bed, and they supply you clothes and food and uh, all of those basic necessities. But back in Paul's day, none of those things were provided. None of those things, not clothes, not food, not essentials. You had to depend on someone on the outside to bring you what you needed. And so Paul thanked God for the church of Philippi on every remembrance of them because they had reached out to him time and time again to meet his needs. In fact, in chapter 4, verse 15, he commends them how from the very first day of his ministry, even to the present while he was in prison, they had supported his ministry financially even when no one else did. He commends them on how they had sent time and again to meet his need. And in verse 17 of that chapter, he says, not that I'm looking for a gift. He said, I'm not saying this so that you'll give me some more. He says, but I desire that fruit may abound to your account. Because folks, when we give, when we sow into the kingdom of God, fruit abounds to our account. Amen? He says, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. When we give into the kingdom, it is a fragrant offering that is pleasing and acceptable to God. Amen. Paul was so moved by their love under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he wrote this letter to them. And in this powerful letter, Paul expresses his constant prayer for the church, which included that they would overflow with love more and more. And actually, we see four prayers for love in the church. Overflowing love, discerning love, excellent love, and sincere love. That's what Paul is praying for. So let's join our voices in agreement with Paul. And let's pray that we would overflow with love one towards another. Let's pray that we would grow in love. It's amazing that Paul would pray this for this church at Philippi. When they had already shown him such great love in taking care of his needs. And yet, even though they had expressed their love through helping him financially and sending Epaphroditus to to help meet his needs, he prays for them that their love would grow more and more. Now, it seemed that this church was already full of love and compassion because of the way they cared for Paul. Yet he prays for them to grow in love more and more. Paul definitely was not saying that they didn't have love because from his own testimony, they expressed great love and care for him. He didn't say they needed love as if they were void of love, but he prayed that they would grow and that they would overflow 
in love more and more. The Greek word to overflow literally means to gush forth in plenteous or abundant amounts. The picture, it is a picture word. The picture is that of a river that is flooded and overflowing its banks. Amen? You know, a river's water is generally contained and channeled within its banks. The banks are the limits that control the flow of water. But the church of Philippi, they were like a river. They were already loving, but it was contained within banks. And Paul is saying, I want your love to overflow those banks. I want it to increase even more and more. You know, we see their love described in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 when Paul was traveling, uh, uh, collecting an offering for the needy saints in Jerusalem because the church, Jerusalem was experiencing an extreme drought and the church in Jerusalem, they were uh, incredibly impoverished and starving. So as Paul was traveling to the various churches where he had planted and ministered, he was collecting an offering for the church in Jerusalem to help them out. And in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, he talks about this church at Philippi and how they had shown great love to towards the needy saints in Jerusalem. They even out of their own poverty had given generously and they insisted upon Paul to take an offering. Woo! They pleaded with Paul to take an offering for them so they could help the saints at Jerusalem. Any of you want to beg me to take another offering? (laughs) And even though this church is so loving, and so caring already that Paul commends them, not only for taking care of him, but helping the church in Jerusalem, even though they're already so loving and caring, he prayed that they would abound in love more and more. Why? Because a key principle of spiritual growth is that it never stops. Folks, we never attain the fullness of all God wants us to be this side of eternity. And he certainly wants us to be a loving people. And I believe we're a loving church. But we have not yet arrived. We still need to grow. And if we're growing in our Christian life, we will be becoming more and more like Christ. And God is love. So the more we grow in our relationship with him, the more we become like him. That means the more we will love like him. You know, when you measure the growth of a child, it can be measured in, in many ways, right? Uh, they measure the size, they measure the weight, they measure the shape, they d- measure uh, the developmental skills, the motor skills, the sensory, they measure all of those things uh, to see if the child is hitting the marks of development that they should be hitting, right? Well, the growth of a Christian can be measured in several ways as well, but one of the primary ways is the fact that as we grow spiritually, we will increase in love one for another. If you got somebody that comes to church and sits down and they've been doing it for the last 30 years and they got such a scowl on their face that they want to just like a bulldog fight with everybody that comes by, something's wrong with that person. They don't have a relationship with Jesus, amen? Because if we know Jesus, we'll be growing in love more and more. So unless we have stagnated spiritually, we should always be increasing in love. And this prayer is a prayer that we need to pray for ourselves and for our church, that we would overflow more and more in 
love. And if I were to ask most of you this morning and say, is this a loving church? I believe most of you hopefully would say yes. And I have seen your love overflow. Several years ago, there was a sister in our church who was ill, and several members of our church were, were cooking for her and taking food over uh, for her family. And one of her family members even called to say that he was going to come visit our church because of how well we had shown love for his sister. I remember several years ago when we had a dear uh, uh, um, Korean sister in our midst, Po Son Shin, and um, she was here in the United States all by herself, and she was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and um, we had people that were helping her constantly. She lived on a second floor. There were people, she insisted on coming to church, even if she had to sit down and move herself one stair down. There were people that would help go and get her. They would help lift her up onto the second floor. I remember the last weeks of her life, Ladies in this church came to me and said, Pastor, can we put together a schedule and have somebody with her 24-7 caring for her? And they did, amen? That didn't come from me. That came from you all. And that's the love of Jesus Christ that was flowing through this congregation so that Posan was never alone in those last weeks of her life, amen? But sometimes we can be loving, but we're loving to the people we know. We're loving to the people that are like us. Hallelujah. But we need to pray that our love would overflow the banks. Amen. That it would overflow to new people coming into our midst as well. That we would embrace them as a part of our church family. It was easy for the church at Philippi to love Paul. He's the one that planted the church. He was their beloved pastor. He had led most of them to the Lord. They knew him from the very first day of his ministry there. He was their spiritual leader. So it was easy for them to love him. But love that overflows its banks is not limited to the people that we know or the people that we are comfortable with or the people who are like us. Amen? Love that overflows its banks is, is, is the love of God that the scripture says, for God so loved the world. That's everybody. He even loved us when we were unlovable. He loved us at our worst point. The Bible says when we were yet his enemies, he loved us. Amen. Because we were out there living in sin. We were living in rebellion to him. And yet still he loved us. Amen. So love that overflows is not limited to the people we like or comfortable with or who are like us. So we need to pray for our love to overflow its banks, to overflow the banks of culture, to overflow the banks of age. You know, sometimes we, we are ageist even in the body of Christ. Young people stick with young people. Older people stick with older people. We need each other, folks. The young people bring an energy and vitality and passion, and the older people can speak into your life, young people, with wisdom and insight and the maturity of faith, and we need one another. Amen? So we need, to over, uh, we need a love that will overflow the banks of culture, the banks of age, the banks of familiarity, and embrace every person that God brings to us. Amen? Paul didn't tell them to love more. I want you to notice that. He didn't say, I'm telling you that you need to love more. He prayed for them that their love would overflow more and more. And that statement speaks volumes to us because the kind of love that God commands us to have, the kind of love that is being described in this verse is not humanly possible. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, Paul says this. He says, And the Lord make you to increase in love 
and abound in love towards one another and towards all men, even as we do towards you. Here is another prayer. Again, Paul is not saying to the church in Thessalonica, you need to increase in love. He's praying that they would increase in love. Why? Because he knew that it's not possible to love the way God is calling us to love in ourselves. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? That's why we need to make this our prayer. We need to pray that we would overflow more and more in love. You know, in in Greek, there are four words that are translated by our one English word, love. Greek is a much more detailed and specific language than English. The four, you know, nowadays they have a saying, you know, love is love, that all love is equal. And, and of course, they, they're contoning certain lifestyles that the Bible does prohibit. But um, there are actually, not all love is love, the same love, amen? There are actually four different types of, uh, of love, and the Bible refers to them. One is eros love. You might, under, you might recognize that as the root of our English word erotic, because eros love is sensual love. It's the kind of love that God ordains to be expressed within a marriage between one man and one woman. It is that, that, that romantic, sensual love. But Eros love is a love that says, I love you if you meet my needs. There's an if, it's conditional. That's why so many people fall out of love because the other person stops meeting their needs. So Eros love tends to be really quite self-centered. And then there's phileo love. This is friendship love. You might recognize it as the root of the name of a city here in the United States, Philadelphia, which is called the city of friendship, right? Because phileo is friendship love. But this kind of love says, I love you because... I love you because we have certain things in common. I love you because we think the same about certain things. I love you because we like to eat the same kind of food. I love you because we have some kind of of mutual um, likeness, compatibility, all right? But at some point, you know, there may be things that we disagree on or we don't like, and so we stop being friends because friendship love is I love you because it too is conditional and then there's storgeo love storgeo love is family love I gotta love you because we got the same blood (laughs) I may not like you but I'm stuck with you (laughs) storgeo love but the but the fourth kind of love is agape love And do you know that that word did not even exist prior to Christianity? That word was invented in order to describe the unique and amazing love of God. A love that is unconditional. There's no if, there's no because, there's no I have to because we're related. It's just, I love you because I am love. It's unconditional. His love is unchanging. You know, with people, their love is changing, right? They could love you like you're, you know, the best thing since sliced bread today. And tomorrow, it's another story. Hot and cold. But God's love is unchanging. If he loves you today, he'll love you tomorrow, and he'll love you into eternity, even if you choose to walk away from him into the gates of hell. 
Agape is unconditional love that doesn't depend upon anything in the person being loved, but it depends upon God himself who is the fountain and source of love. The Bible says God is love. So Paul is not telling us you need to try harder to be more loving. The love to which he's calling us is a supernatural love which can only be produced by the Holy Spirit in our life. In fact, in the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, love is at the head of the list. He said these are the fruit of the Spirit, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And if you think about it, all those other things, all those other fruit, really are parts of love. And so this love is the fruit of the Spirit. It is what is produced in us when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and have control. See, when you talk about fruit, fruit is not something we do. It is something that is produced in us. I'm blessed to have my neighbor's fruit trees hang over into my yard. There's a mango tree, which has a lot of blossoms in it right now. Hallelujah. And there's two avocado trees. Praise you, Jesus. And I look out my back sliders, and I see the blossoms, and I say, yes, Jesus, it's coming. There's going to be fruit. But I have never once looked out there and saw the avocado tree say, I got to produce fruit. I got to try harder to produce fruit. No, it just happens. The sun shines on it. The rain waters it. And then it bears fruit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is not something, I got to try harder to be loving. I got to try harder to be kind. No. It's, Lord, I surrender myself to you. I can't live the way that you want me to live. I can't love the way that you want me to love. But I give you full control. Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, live through me. And when we do that, he produces the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love. Romans 5.5 says this, The love of God is shed abroad in our heart. How? by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will pour out God's love in us in such a way that it would overflow more and more from us. Hallelujah. So we, we, we want to pray for an overflowing love. We also want to pray for a discerning love. Now, I'm going to read this verse from a, a different version because I think it captures it. It says, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. These are the guidelines in which our love is to overflow. In knowledge means according to the right moral principles. Where do we find our moral principles? In God's word. In all discernment or judgment, the root of this is a concept of wisdom. The ability to be able to properly apply the moral principles of God's word effectively. So these are the guidelines that directs our love in a God-honoring way. It must be in knowledge and in discernment. M.R. Vincent said, the flood of emotion is to be controlled by knowledge and spiritual perception. 
It does not run away with itself or go out of control. The love of the believer must be an intelligent and discriminating love. True Christian love is not merely sentimentalism that embraces even things that are sinful and wrong. We embrace the people, but we don't have to embrace their practice. All right? Chuck Swindle wrote in Laugh Again, he said, when love floods indiscriminately, we love everything, even the wrong things. So yes, our love needs to overflow, but it needs to overflow in knowledge and discernment. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 5, the Corinthian church was boasting about how loving their church was. They said, we're so loving that we have a man in our midst that is committing incest with his father's wife, but we still love him and fellowship with him. Paul rebuked them. Because he says, this is not Christian love. In fact, it's the very opposite. Because by, by not saying anything and by continuing to embrace him, you are endangering his soul, deceiving him into thinking that he can continue sinning and still be counted among God's people. So they were not acting in love towards him and they were not acting in love towards the body of Christ either because as they continued to embrace him, they were sending a wrong message to the rest of the church to say, you can keep sinning too. And you can be one of God's children. So Paul instructed them that the most loving thing that they could do was to discipline the man and to cut him off from fellowship that he might realize the true condition of his soul and come to a place of repentance. We got, got awful quiet in here all of a sudden. The loving thing might not always be that which we emotionally like to do. How many of you are parents? All right, a good number of you. How many of you as loving parents have disciplined your kids even though it hurt you to do it? Almost all of you that raised your hand before raised your hand again. Emotionally, it was hard for you to have to discipline them because you love them and you don't like to hurt them, but you knew you had to do it for their benefit. Amen? In fact, the scripture says, he who does not love his child does not discipline his child. So sometimes love has to confront and love has to correct, amen? And sometimes what we pass off as Christian love is little more than mushy sentimentalism because we fail to use knowledge and discernment but we must not be afraid that people won't like us or reject us we must be afraid that their soul will be lost for all eternity that's what we must fear love means caring enough at times to confront and correct for instance if a christian brother comes up to you and tells you he's in love with another woman he's going to divorce his wife so that they can be together we don't just say well brother i pray you'll be happy No, the right thing is in love and grace to tell him, brother, that is sin, and you are wrong. That is in opposition to what the word of God says, yeah. amen? If a person is habitually not working and they're capable of working, and they're expecting others to help them financially all the time, do we continue to just indiscriminately give? 
No. If you help them, you're going to perpetuate their problem. The Bible says you don't work. Oh, that was weak. Some of you not reading your Bible. You, you don't work? All right, that's better. You get a B plus. Amen. It's a B because you didn't answer right the first time. But the Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. And the Bible gives us guidelines for who we ought to help in 1 Timothy 6. They need to be members of the church. They need to be actively involved in service. They need to be supporting the church, having a good reputation, having a legitimate need, not being busy body, all of these things. And he says to try the need, to see if it's a need indeed, because if you help the wrong person, then when somebody who has a real need comes along, you're not going to have anything to help them because you helped the lazy person over here who wasn't working because they didn't want to. Folks, that's Bible. That's not me. So if you want to get upset, get upset with God. Amen. Because I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So what I'm saying is that we need to pray for, to overflow in love, but we need to pray for a love that is discerning. That we'll use knowledge and discernment to love the way God wants us to love. Because you know what? God corrects us when we're wrong. He convicts us. Amen. He calls us to change. He calls us to repentance. Amen. And he may love everybody, but he doesn't love the practice if the practice is wrong. Amen? So we have to use discernment in our love. Today, uh, today the world believes that, that if you love, it means that you just accept everything indiscriminately. But that's not true love. That's not true love. So we need to pray for overflowing love. We need to pray for discerning love. We need to pray for excellent love. In verse 10, he says that we may approve things that are excellent. Approve means to test, to see if something is pure or genuine. Warren Wiersbe, who is a a, a well-known theologian and author, he says Christian love is not blind. Christian love is not blind. We must have discerning love and loving discernment. Discerning love and loving discernment. So we're able to see when things are not right, and we are able to express it or confront it in a loving way. So what safeguard is there to help us from being gullible, from being taken advantage of with this kind of self-sacrificial love? We must have knowledge and discernment so that we can test situations and see if they're genuine. Not everything is obvious. Not everything is black and white. We need to have a clear knowledge of God's word because that is the chief test. And we need to have discernment of the spirit so that we can see beyond the surface to the truth of the situation. Only then can we make a declaration as to whether or not something is acceptable or not. The Holy Spirit enables us to see from a spiritual perspective. The Holy Spirit enables the believer to sense what is and what is not pleasing to the Lord long before it becomes an issue. Discernment not only involves keen perception of a matter, but also includes ethical tact, meaning the right way to respond to a matter. The right way to, because we can see that something's wrong and then we can come in like a bull in a china shop and we can damage that person permanently. Amen? So we have to have an ethical tact that lovingly is able to deal with these issues. So discernment requires tact to know how to respond the right way. Love also seeks the highest good of those to whom it is expressed. That's what it means that love approves things that are excellent. We are constantly faced with the choice of better and best, not just good and evil. A distinguishing mark of maturity in the Christian life 
is the ability to discern not just good and evil, but what is in the best interest of another person. So true godly love doesn't just seek a person's momentary happiness or momentary comfort, but true godly love seeks that which would be of utmost and eternal benefit for the person being loved. Are you hearing me? It's not just, oh, I want you to be happy and feel good right now. No, I'm concerned about your soul. I'm concerned about your relationship with God. I'm concerned about where you will spend eternity. That is excellent love. And then we need to pray that we would have sincere love. Looking again at verse 10, he says in the King, New King James, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. The word sincere in Greek comes from the pottery shops of the first century. It's uh, actually it's de derived from two Latin words, I'm sorry, not Greek, two Latin words, sine meaning without and sera meaning wax. So literally translated, without wax. So when you say the word sincere, you're saying without wax. Why? Because in ancient times, potters would cover cracks in China with pearly white wax. And inside their little dark shops, the customers could not tell. But if they would go outside and hold it up to the sun, they would be able to see these darker areas that had been filled in with wax. So China, that was sincera, was more valuable because it was without wax. It didn't have to be filled with the, cr the cracks didn't have to be filled in. So he says that true love needs to be sincere. That means that true love does not cover up the flaws of others in order to be liked, but will lovingly influence others to live blameless lives or lives that are without offense to God. Blameless means not causing someone to stumble over us. And, and so we live blameless lives. That means our lives are to be an open book for a watching world so that they won't see any incongruities between our confession that we are a Christian, we follow Christ, and the way that we're living. Because when our profession does not match our action, that becomes a stumbling block to others. And they say, and you claim to be a Christian? We don't want anybody to stumble because of us, amen? So we want to live blameless lives because people are watching to see if Christ makes a difference in our lives. And one of the most loving things that we can do for the world is to live a life that is a true reflection of Christ in everything that we do and say, amen? That's one of the most loving things we can do. Now let me ask you, if the world watched the way that you love, the way that you love the church, the way that you love the lost, the way that you love your family, if they observed your relationships, if they reserved your relation, observed your relationships with your wife, your children, your extended family, your church family, your coworkers, Beyonce, would they say, wow, that's a follower of Christ because they love differently? Yeah. Would they be able to say that? from watching your life. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. 
that you have love for one another. Thirteen times in scripture we are told to love one another. We need to pray that we would overflow more and more in love, that we may love the way that Christ loved us, and then we need to act in faith, reaching out in love, which includes serving the needs of others and being a blessing to others, so that the love of God becomes tangible through our actions. Let's pray that for our church, for our lives, we would overflow more and more in love so that when the world sees us, when the world sees new life, they'd say, I want to be a part of that because of the way they love. That when somebody comes in here, they would sense such love, such embrace, that it, it, it would just knock their socks off. Amen? And they'd say, I want to keep coming back to that church. Let's pray that for ourselves. But the first step to being able to love like Christ is to have Christ live inside of us. Amen? And we experience Christ living in us once we repent of our sins, which means we turn away from our sins. We ask him to forgive us, and we place our faith in him as our Savior. That's the beginning point of Christ coming to live inside of us and make us who he's calling us to be. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and you would say, pray for me, pastor, because I want to come to Jesus. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And I want to be the kind of person that you're describing, the kind of person God wants me to be. If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Or maybe you want to come back to Jesus. Maybe you gave your heart to God some time ago and you've drifted away. You want to come back to Jesus. Is there anyone? Just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have one hand right over here. Is there anyone else this morning? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. And you that raised your hand, if you would just pray this prayer with me. God is going to do exactly what you ask him to do in your heart. Dear Jesus, church, pray along. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life and I turn to you in faith. I confess that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Congratulations. We welcome you, amen, to the family of God. And you just made the best decision of your life. If you just prayed that prayer, if you would take, if we could have the altar call slide up there, and if you could take your phone out and just text to the number that's going to be up there. There it is, by faith it came. And just text, uh, text your email address to the number on the screen. We would like to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to take to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord. So if you would do that right now, we would greatly appreciate that. For those of us who are already believing, we need to grow in love. I believe we're already a loving church, but we need to grow and overflow more and more in love. So if it's your heart to pray and ask God to work in us that we might overflow in love more and more towards one another and that we would be an example of the love of Christ to this world that would make them want to believe and know him, if that's your heart's cry, would you stand to your feet right where you are, lift your hands to heaven, 
And let's just pray this prayer. You use your own voice and say, God, help me to overflow in love. Everyone praying out. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word this morning, Lord God, as it challenges our heart to love the way that Christ loved. Father, as we stand before you today, Lord Jesus, we say, Lord, help us to overflow in love more and more, Lord God, a true, godly, sincere, discerning love, Lord God, that will be a reflection to this world that we are your followers, Lord God, and that will make them want to believe in you because of the reality of your love that they see in us, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would just pour forth your Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord God, as you said that your love is shed abroad in us by the Spirit. Pour forth your love in us to such a degree that it would just overflow from us, Lord, and that we would have a reputation in this community of being the most loving church that there is, Lord God, that from the moment someone walks through these, these doors, they would feel your love through your body, Lord God, through your church, Lord, and that they would know that you love them because of the way your church loves them, Lord God. Father, do this work in us so that you may be glorified through us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.